Hi, I'm Teresa Bruno, and I'm here with my good friend, Natalia Lippivere. And we are here today to talk about some really tough stories. Natalia has a journey that takes her through um, being di diagnosed with a very serious disease and then the betrayal in her marriage. Um, I'm coming from a place of losing a beloved business and a beloved husband. They're tough topics, um, and we like to talk about it in the context of survival and hope, but we're just going to rip the Band-Aid off and begin. Join us. I hey, am. it's so Hello. nice to be here with you today. Yes, I'm so excited to do this with you. We've been talking for a while. I'm finally here, and we're ready to talk about good things, bad things, challenges, and just hopefully help some people uh, with our journey and with what we've learned from it. Absolutely. You know, I think um, I've thought so much about, because this is hard for me, you know, I didn't really want to get out in community and be vulnerable and be real and tell these stories because we all know how um, difficult it can be in social media world today and that you you know you're gonna have critics so I certainly come to this with a little fear and trepidation but as I've gone through my journey of about four and a half years um, the loss of a beloved business and then the loss of a beloved husband part of what I'm motivated to do here is to provide both a generous and a gentle landing place yeah um, for us as friends and for anybody who's listening to explore the tough topics, you know, to find a place that's gentle enough to be able to say our truths and to invite other people in to look at their lives and say, God, this was tough. This was so hard. And yet there are ways to find light on the other side. No, I thought I a hundred percent agree. And I think it's, it's so hard to like when you're in the moment and you're going through, different challenges to see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And I've been going through illness and a divorce and different things and in between um, for probably about 10 years now. So it's definitely had the moments where I've thought I've lost everything and then just going back into rebuilding myself and relearning who I am it has been a journey and I'm so excited to share that and to go through this with you and just sharing with different people and hopefully helping other people um, to get through their challenges as we learn more about ourselves too. I mean absolutely I think one of the things that's been the hard one of the biggest challenges that I still work on all the time um, and certainly one of the biggest challenges for me just after I had two fairly big life uh, situations happen is that we run away I or I ran away from human connection and community and um, and yet I know in retrospect that connecting to others being able to get outside of oneself is one of the ways you know it's the paths out of healing I mean the paths out of <clears throat> shame it's the paths toward healing to be able to begin to open up just a little bit. And so what you're saying, you know, is certainly relevant that anytime you can share your pain. I think you've taught me a really interesting phrase that I've, I love and I've clung to, so I'm going to steal it. Um, you, you said to me once, you said, every time you share your pain, the pain has less power. Yes, I do believe that because I think when you share, it helps, someone else is now helping you carry that burden. Now it's not just yours to carry. I've 
done the same as you. I went pretty much hiding, ran away, did all that, like literally ran away, left everything behind. But I think when you're able to get to a point where you can share your pain with other people, now you realize one, it's, it's not just you, right? We've, we've lived completely different lives and you have so much in common. And we, it only it took us to share to be able to realize that. If we had never had that conversation, we would have never known how much in common we actually have. And sharing, it, it lessens your pain, but it makes you not judge yourself so much as you would if you didn't. Because now you realize people are struggling everywhere with different things. And we're all just trying to make it somehow. I, I completely agree. And it doesn't matter what my pain is or your pain is or what life has brought to you in your journey. Everybody's pain's 100% is, is what I feel. But I'd love right now um, to make a little pivot and ask you if you'd kind of be specific about your journey. Yeah, so for me, I think what was really like a pivotal change for me as a person was um, when I was about 29, I got really sick. And it took about a year and a half for me to actually get a diagnosis. But I have lupus, which is an autoimmune disease. And the first three months I was sick, I was just like kind of expecting that at some point I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to give me um, they're going to do a blood test and they're going to give me an answer. They're going to give me a prescription and everything's going to be solved and I'm going to go back to my normal life, right? Um, it did not go like that. Um, so I'm sitting in the couch and I'm miserable and I'm just eating my days away. And I remember I got out of the shower one day and I looked at myself in the mirror and I just didn't recognize myself. And it, do you mean you didn't recognize yourself? in the way that you looked or you didn't recon recognize the way you were, your spirit? It was more of like a deeper thing, like physically, it's not like I had gained weight or anything, like nothing had changed physically. Um, it was more like I didn't like recognize, like it was like a, like a soul thing, like you looking at yourself and you don't recognize who you are. Cause I, I was just like so dull and, and lifeless because I was just so caught up in, the, in being sick. It became who I was. Like being, and I, in that moment, I was like, I, whatever this is, because I didn't have an answer. So I had a lot of fears, like, am I going to die? Is this going to be something serious? Like, what is this going to be like? And I, at that moment, I was like, I don't want this to define who I am. Whatever this is, I don't want this to define who I am. I think that's remarkable that you could already, just a few months into a really difficult place in your life, say, I don't want this to define me. Because what you said earlier, when you first looked in the mirror and said, I don't, I don't see me in here, no. was, it was, you were becoming what you had been yeah. told. You, you were becoming the person who was sick. Yeah. And yet you made, it, you made a nice turn. And I, I think it's easy to allow the you, yourself to become the situation you're in, you're versus right. like, hey, remind yourself of who you are. But I think I didn't realize who I was at that time. So it was like really like a moment where I had to change everything. So if I, I was miserable and I was in pain all the time and I had all these 
strange things happening and my body was just completely out of control and I never knew what like what the next hour was going to be like how it was going to feel the next hour so I decided that moment I was like I'm going to make the best of it if I get up and I'm going to go to the grocery store I'm not going to go rolling like like I just roll out of bed because that's what I was doing I'm going to dress up I'm going to do my best to look and like good, like I actually put an effort to get out of the house and I would do my hair, do my makeup and I didn't have a lot of energy at the time so like that, that would be my energy for the day. But I wanted to if, look at myself and not feel like that again. You know what I hear in the very beginnings of your story, um, Brene Brown who's written so much about shame in, in our um, culture in the last few years, you know, she studied shame for I think two decades, and in my mind she's decodified it in our culture so that we're not ashamed any longer to admit that we no. have shame. But, but what you were doing, because she says, you know, there are three things that keep you, you know, when you've gone through a tough situation, when you feel like you're in absolute survival mode, the thing that keeps you from walking into any path out or walking into healing, it's secrecy, it's silence, and it's judgment. Yep. And for you to be willing to get up and get dressed, if you had to go to the grocery store, making an effort, you know, you were already creating a path toward, toward walking out of it. Somehow I had, uh, I had, the, I was conscious that if I kept going in that path, I was going to end up depressed or I was going to end up with who knows what. And I don't have an answer, so I had to advocate for myself. I had to go to the doctor and I had to like, like push for answers and like not just accept the first prescri prescription they were going to give it to me and I had to like I went to like 10 different doctors in the span of a year and I, I went to Brazil I was doing at one point I had blood work done every day oh and I had like my 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 skin hurt my veins hurt because like I had all these symptoms they're so strange and I, I just couldn't take blood anymore there was nowhere to take it anymore at one point and it was just, it was painful, but like I could either become a, a victim of that situation and just be like, okay, this is how it is. I'm going to sit home because I had doctors tell me that that's what I should do. I should not exercise. I should sit at home and I should just, that was going to be my life for whoever, however long. And I was like, I'm, that's not I'm like, I'm, I just turned 30. I'm like, uh, I can't. So I kept you know, trying to figure out, and then I went to started exercising and dieting, which is something I never done before. Um, so I had to change everything, and then I went from like not doing anything and sitting on a couch and being sick to now I'm like prepping to compete in a bodybuilding show. Oh wow! I actually That's got a big swing. Yes. How long did that take <laughs> to go from not exercising to being? Competing. It went um, a year and a half. I actually wow. got diagnosed the week of my first competition. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So it took a year and a half, and um, I don't like competing, but I did it, and it was a challenge because I didn't like being on stage. I didn't like doing any of that, but I was like, I'm gonna do it. I like I had to figure out, and I learned how to manage my lupus after all these years and I'm in the place where I don't take medication now. I'm very blessed with that, but like it took a lot. And then, as I know your story a bit, yes, you had this disease and you were grappling with it and trying to figure it out. Yeah. And another... And then I had a, um, I was married at the time and um, 
my I found out my ex-husband um, cheated, and that destroyed me. That completely took like the ground off my feet. I know that feeling. It was a it was a lot. Like everything I knew was gone. I I. I just didn't know. I don't. I didn't have family around. I at the time I wasn't working because of I was sick. So I'm trying to figure out all these things and every, the one person do you think you would count on and all these things and it's like suddenly completely gone. And that was. But it, you know things are funny because I do think God is gonna give you what you need when you without you realizing it. So if I had not got sick. I would have not have this and learned this instinct of like, I gotta stay healthy and I gotta stay sane. So throughout all the craziness of finding out all these different things and going through a divorce and moving out and selling house, moving to a different state, I had one thing in my mind. It's like, no matter what, I'm going to continue to stay healthy and I'm gonna figure out how to stay sane through all of this craziness. I think it's, uh, again, I, I can't find another word right now, extraordinary maybe that, you know, you had such a sense about you, you know, that you already could say, I don't want this to devour me. I don't want this to destroy me. No. I didn't have that. I, I, it all came caving down, you know, on me. I didn't, I, I did in the very beginning have some very courageous acts. So let's then, take a step back. What, what, what are we talking <laughs> about here? <laughs> well, there is that. So it was probably about four and a half years ago. Um, I had, a, I had a, a little business that was a passion business, a jewelry design business, and it was a second business for me. And um, I had just put everything I had into it. And um, I had to close that business. I lost that business due to fraud. And it was heartbreaking to me. And I felt like such a failure because I didn't see what was happening in that business. I felt like a failure because I'd let down the clients who trusted me to be their designer. I felt like I had really let down all the stores who had believed in me and put my product in there. And, you know, just I just, Oh gosh, it, it just really did something to and me. And failure can, can be so damaging. Yeah, and I had come from an experience of having in a very successful business, which I still had. This was a second yeah. business and a passion business. So just as I was literally packing up that business and closing it down, um, my beloved husband of 29 years took his life. Oh. And when you say you felt like everything you ever knew went away. I absolutely, it was like the ground disappeared. I, I had no idea how to begin to hold on to anything or, you know, put anything back together again. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it, so there, there was just, there was so much fear. And there was so much shame, and it's I, I hate that there's shame out of such a, a, a tragic situation. I was coming, you know, I carried the shame from the failure of the business. I was already pretty down. It was and already then, uh, already in that spot of shame. Then for something like that to happen that I, just, you know, I just saw, never saw coming. Um, 
Yeah, I, after a few courageous acts in the very beginning, I really folded in on myself. I, I sat still and quiet and in secrecy and in shame for about two years. Um, I, did, I didn't, I mean, I went to work, you know, I did the things that I absolutely had to do. And I, I had this feeling that if, if I could, if I could, I had two boys and they were both in their 20s and so worried about them, you know, my, every act that I did was about how can I keep these young men going? They loved their dad so much. You have so to much. keep it together for, the other, for, for them. You know, how could this have happened to our family? And so I think I got in this really very destructive pattern of, oh, I'm not going to let anybody know how I feel. I'm going to get up every day and do what I have to do to keep now our family of three together. I'm going to look okay. I'm going to go to work and run this other business. And I'm going to go back home and collapse on the sofa. See, but every when night. but when you say this, you were like you, you were doing the same as I was doing in your own way. I because guess. at the end of the day, like life, like you could be going through the easiest or the hardest situation, life doesn't stop. And every, that is the most true statement. It doesn't. It matter doesn't stop. What like, you're going it, through. It doesn't. You care still about, have to pay <laughs> the bills. You still have to. It doesn't matter how provide. you feel, how you don't feel, <laughs> what you have in your mind or not. You still gotta get up and show up. It doesn't stop. So you were doing the same thing in your own way, and I think because I I was also hiding the same way you were doing, but like you hiding behind closed doors, right? Yeah. Like. I mean, I've told you the stories of of the first. Gosh, I don't know how long it lasted. A long time for me. And and it's it's so illogical to me as the woman that I thought I grew myself up to be, you know, kind of in charge, lived life big. I thought, you know, that there was not much I couldn't do. And I became so small after my husband's death. I I something happens to you in this kind of deep tragedy. I would drive around Birmingham, Alabama, where I lived at the time. I would need groceries, okay? <laughs> I would need gas. <laughs> and I could not, I don't know how many Publix grocery stores I sat in the parking lots of because I just didn't have, I was, it was like I was afraid to see other people. I felt so much judgment, you know, that they would think, what's wrong with your life? How could that have happened? Did you not know? Could you not have helped him? You know, those were the thoughts that were running in my mind, so I've, I assumed others I've, were I've thinking. done the same thing. I used to sit, like, in the car for, like, an hour, and I'm like, I'm not even getting out. I have to go grocery shopping in a different town so I wouldn't see people. And it's helpful for me to hear that because I thought I was the only freak in the world no. who drove around to every grocery store because I was no. afraid to go in. But that's the thing. In the moment, you think it's just yourself. So the judgment is really coming from us. The judgment is not coming from other people. The judgment is in your mind. you judging yourself, so now you think everybody else is doing it. I think that's absolutely true. And But let me just go back on my little story. <laughs> I did always get gas. Yeah. I never ran out. Oh, okay. But I pushed it. <laughs> Very good. Six miles left. That's right. Okay, I have to get out of the car. Yeah. I didn't do this well. I actually did this very poorly. <laughs> but I think well, always the way, the way to any kind of recovery, even in the smallest of ways, is somebody on the other side. You know, I learned when I would get out of the car and when I would go in somewhere, um, you know, it was the people who could really look me in the eye who could say, I get it, you know, me too. I understand how you'd be feeling. And it, I think it's so, so important that we 
cling to our families and our communities and um, whomever it is that you can lean into when you've gone through something um, that's really tough because that's sort of your way out. It's yep. human connection for me every single time. I think it's because those people are going to keep you grounded of who you are and not let you, even if you don't see it in the moment, they, they won't let you sink because that's what you want to do. Um, but like in my situation, I didn't really have a lot of people because a lot of the friends we had at the time when, well, when I got sick, people thought I was crazy because on the outside you couldn't see it. So people thought I was making it up. So like, oh, you just don't want to like yeah. do this. You're boring. You don't drink anymore. You don't want to go out. Like, I don't have the energy to do any of this. So I actually lost a lot of friends when I got sick. Well, and also part of your story is you came to America from Brazil, yep. intending to stay, what, eight months? Yep. And then here we are, and we are so glad you're We're still here 15, 15 years counting, later. 15 years and counting. You but know? you didn't have, you didn't have, have a big support system no, at that I, time. No, I didn't have a lot of people that I knew. So I'm judging myself and thinking I am the failure. I'm the one that's the damaged goods. I am the one that's like... Don't we always do that? <laughs> well, we oh find God. our unworthiness <laughs> yep. in almost everything that happens to us, and then we have to figure out how to turn it around. No. It reminds me, I, when I was talking about human connection, leaning into it, and me having a really tough time getting outside of myself, um, there were people, though, who did such beautiful and extraordinary things for me early on and it you know I'll never forget them like my life has changed I have a good friend and we were good friends before James died but <clears throat> since then we've really really bonded in that in three and a half years it's been a little over three and a half years since he died not one single day has my friend Marie Wright skipped a day no matter what was going on in the world no matter where I was, even if one of her daughters was having a baby, I got a text. I got a text every day that said, hey, I'm here, how you doing? And sometimes I get really ticked off at her text because I'd be like, don't ask me how I'm doing. I don't <laughs> like, want to talk about how I'm doing because, because you're inside, not doing well, I was yeah. Yeah. falling apart. Yeah. But the consistency you know, of, of that was it began to create a little ground, you know, underneath my feet. I also, I, I have this sister who's, um, I would say probably one of the most generous listeners because I didn't get better fast. It was like people would talk to me on the phone and it would be like, same story, repeat, <laughs> same story, repeat, because I didn't, I didn't, I had a really hard spot, time, yeah. you know, getting, asking all the questions, all the whys. How could this happen to us? You know, why, why, why? And staying in that pain. But my sister would listen over and over and over. And one of the most powerful prayer warriors ever is, and, and I could feel her, you know, I could feel in her listening that she was somehow carrying me. Yeah. And I think it's like in that point you don't realize how much you need somebody to do that. And you said a word earlier. You said consistency. You need consistency of something like consistency. you need something that's positive because you like in that moment you can't really see it. So you need that from someone else. Absolutely. And you might not be able to see it in the moment, but like when you look back, you can recognize that. Like I had similar to you. I had this one friend of mine that she um, she's. A, few years younger than me and um, you know she's been she got married really young and she 
her and her husband just kind of like in a way took me over where like they were like no we got you and I to this day like to this day he would be like she like he he would still say that I need to move back to New York just to be closer to them because he doesn't like that I'm here by myself and they were such like strong like believers and like prayer people they're like even though I was not Christian at the time I knew they like I knew they were caring for me in that way. I think, you know, I think listening is so important. There's a um, this poet, theologian, monk, philosopher. Um, he died just a couple of years ago. His name's Thich Nhat Hanh from Vietnam, and he wrote a lot about what he coined as deep listening. And he says, you know, when you can really get in front of somebody like your friend, like my sister. Yeah. Um, and you you really get still within yourself and you can deeply listen to that person, that you are showing the greatest compassion to just deeply and tenderly listen. And he has the coolest story he tells about the village that he kind of formed in France because um, it's called Plum Village, which I'm totally in love with the name Plum Village. I mean, it's so beautiful. But he said once a week, every single person in that village comes together and they get quiet, and one-on-one, -on -one they just listen to another. So they have this community practice of deep listening. That's, those are part of the things that were so helpful to me in those early days were people who listened even though I was on repeat. Will you tell that? Because it's so fascinating to me <laughs> that you, you well, could do that. After I got a divorce, I packed everything from Connecticut and I moved to Texas, which I didn't know anybody. I moved to Austin. I lived there for a year and it just didn't feel right. So I decided I'm just going to get rid of everything I have. I'm going to have a suitcase and I'm going to, you know, I had this illusion that was going to be this very glamorous and it was going to be like you know, everything you see on social media, and I was gonna go overseas. So I spent almost a year overseas, and I went from Europe to Asia, and I was pretty much by myself the whole time. Um, my friend, Natalia, uh, she came to see me twice in different uh, countries, but besides that, I was by myself. So I spent a lot of time alone, and I would go days without saying a word, which is very unusual for me. Because um, <laughs> I can Because I can talk, <laughs> but, I learned to just listen, and if I you were listening to yourself. I was listening to myself, which yeah. was really good. But I was like, I started to realize people around me and things and places because I would sit. I used to love when I was in Rome. I used to love just to sit in front of the Colosseum. They have that little, you know, square over there, and I used to just sit and I like watch the tourists and like you have the military people and you're just kind of watching the chaos, and. It kind of like in we have so much chaos within ourselves, Absolutely. right? So like, but it's just you like when you're sitting there, and you're seeing the Colosseum's beautiful, and you're seeing all the chaos going on. So like, there's always a, this contrast of like beauty and chaos, and mm. our lives are so much of that. There's so much beauty and chaos at the same time. So beauty like, and pain. So it really taught me to learn how to look for beauty and pain. That's beautiful. And, and if I didn't go through all this stuff, I would not be here right now. And I would have not learned so much about me and been able to be 
better with the people around me and to those that have hurt me and to those that have not, like that, that I've maybe I've hurt, right? Mm -hmm. And take responsibility for my own actions and the things I've done. And it, so listening comes in so many different forms. That's true, that is so true. It, yes, I can sit and listen to you saying something, but am I really like listening to like hearing what you're saying and understanding from your perspective, but not mine? Because mm -hmm. I can't just take your story and twist it to me because that's yours. So I have to understand and I have to respect it for for who you are and what you went through. I might not agree with it, or I might answer it in a different way. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's what you needed it. So it gave me a lot more empathy and it made me a lot more calm and like I can deal with conflict a lot better than I used to. So my biggest, I had so many fears and one of them it was that going through the divorce, my fear is that I was gonna become a bitter person. I don't know why I had that. I associated that in my mind. I have no idea why but that's what I associated with. And I was like, I do not want to become a person that's bitter. So when you are walking through Europe, basically, and I tease you and say, you know, you're trying to do the Elizabeth Gilbert eat, pray, love. I only did the eat and pray. Because <laughs> that's that really part out? <laughs> I left that part out. No, you did self-love. Well, that is true, but yeah. You were taking care but of But I didn't mostly eat <laughs> <laughs> and pray. <laughs> I think that's a great journey. I think it's a journey we probably all would love to take and I don't know. It was have really the good. freedom yeah. to do. It was scary though. It oh, was scary I because imagine. I was, you know, you, you, like anything else you do in your life, you think you have this idea of how it's going to go, right? Mm -hmm. And it most of the time doesn't go how you, you plan in your head. And, and I remember like my first week in, in Italy, I was, all I did, it was rain and everything went wrong. I got locked out of the Airbnb I was in. It was like oh a gosh. whole thing. And I was like, what did I do? Because I just got rid of everything I have. And and it's so easy to want to give up. Oh my gosh. Having to be in this position where I didn't have a choice. It was what it took me to really figure out who I was. That's a remarkable journey. Thank All you. kinds of things to explore in that. <laughs> I know, but it, it, it comes with a lot of shame. It comes with a lot of fear. And we're going to be talking about that um, in other episodes. But it, it, it does come with so much beauty. I can see that now, but I sure did not see it in the first, first bits that I was in my journey. So, Natalia, our journey continues, right? Um, Thank you so much for being with us today. This was a really exciting day for us to begin this journey, this new journey for us with the Soul Talks podcast. And as I said earlier today, it's scary to, um, to be so vulnerable and to tell these parts of our past that have led us to, to do this show. And I hope you'll join us next week. We will continue to share some of the toughest parts of our survival journeys, but Every time we do an episode, we want to leave you with some tools and we want to leave you with hope.